everyone. Welcome to the Magic Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Cohen. And as always, joining me on the show is the head coach of Magic Gaming, Jonah Edwards. And today we welcome Toxic to the program. Thanks for hopping on, guys. Greatly appreciated. Uh, Magic Gaming competed in the turn tournament this week. Uh, they fell to Gen G in the first round. Shifty Kai, one of the leading candidates for the Rookie of the Year award, had a big night for the Tigers of Shanghai. He had uh, 34 points and nine assists in game one, and then 30 and 10 in game two. Uh, Rizzi had a pair of solid games for the Magic as he went for 25 points and nine dimes in the first game and then recorded 34 and seven in the second. Uh, Toxic, you had a very good series as well. Uh, In game one, you made five of your six shot attempts and scored 11. You also came up with six steals in that contest. And then in the second game, uh, you finished with 15 points on six of 10 shooting. So Jonah, uh, how would you assess the team's overall performance? Obviously, I know the outcome wasn't what you hoped, but how did you see it play out overall? What were the positives and negatives? Yeah, you know, we, we, like you said, we, we didn't have the performance we wanted. Um, you know, game one, I thought we fought really well. Um, obviously, you know, it was important to us to, to kind of keep the game close. Obviously, uh, you know, game three's host was decided on, on, you know, the point differential between game one and two. So um, it was a focal point for us to make sure that we, we fought late in that game. And, and we did a good job of cutting it, cutting it to five um, on that loss. And we're, we're optimistic going into game two. Um, you know, I, I thought the, the, the team did play well at times. Obviously, you know, we weren't on, our, on the things we were most confident on because of the, the bands of the archetypes and things like that. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, the guys did, did fight and, you know, that's something we can appreciate. As I mentioned before, Toxic, you were able to get into a good rhythm uh, throughout the series. Were you just getting the looks you wanted? Were your teammates setting you up with good scoring opportunities? Exactly what played out for you during that series? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it was like, they were just dropping off me in the corner and, and, you know, DT and Reed did a good job of finding me and I was able to knock them down. Um, I don't feel like I played my best defensive series. So, um, you know, I was able to get some, some steals in the first game that, you know, transitioned over to some easy buckets on the break for me that helped with the scoring. And like, like you said, with game two, like Reed and DT did a good job of just finding me when I was open and I was able to knock them down. So. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm there to do, like, you know, in the corner. So if they're going to leave me, I got to make them pay. And I feel like I did a good job of that. Um, And like Jonas said, like we competed, you know, I thought we played a good series, not a great series. Like I think we, you know, we made some mental mistakes throughout the series that, uh, you know, we, we weren't making in scrimmages. So um, that's unfortunate, but you know, the tournament's behind us and, you know, now we have a two regular season games left. With the upcoming week being a bye week Jonah, Will this be a great time to experiment with different strategies as you get closer and closer to the ticket? Yeah, you know, um, at, at this point, Josh, I don't know that different strategies is is really like on our radar. You know, I think at this point we've tried nearly everything. I think that, you know, the, the lineup we had against Miami was one we felt pretty confident in. Um, we still feel confident in it, I think. And obviously, you know, with with May's glass cleaner getting taken away, it makes it a lot harder for him to guard pick and roll, things like that. I think that, I think that um, 
you know, the, the proof has been in the pudding in, in scrimmages, um, you know, the, the past several weeks, I think that we've looked far better. Our communication has been a lot better. Our defense has been far better. Um, you know, we've still been scoring a decent amount. And, you know, the, the, the game we had versus Miami was, was the most alike scrimmages we've, we've seen, um, I think, all season for Magic Gaming. I mean, people, I know it's hard to believe, but, you know, in scrimmages, it, it does appear at times we're, we're really, really good. Um, obviously, we have a couple duds in there, too. But at times, you know, we look great. And that's why it can be a bit, a bit frustrating frustrating from my perspective when we go and you know we play a bit different in in a game like you know versus Gen G um but you know you saw that you know I will, I will give an example you know in the first quarter of game two you know we went on a stretch you know we started a little slow which is okay but we went on a stretch where we made a huge swing on defense we got three or four steals in a row went and got scores on the other end and all of a sudden you know we're up we're up six or we're up seven I think is what it was and you know, and then we give up back-to-back threes in the left corner to, to flock for no reason. Um, and instead of a seven-point lead at the end of one, you know, we have a one-point lead at the end of one, which is just a lot different for the game. So, you know, if we can clean up mistakes like that and we got to understand when to be aggressive, how to be aggressive, you know, we got to be able to play situationally and still be able to be this – this team that can force turnovers on defense. So we're working more on that. I, I don't think it's more about like, you know, keep experimenting. I think we kind of know what we want to do, but we just got to keep ironing it out. You know, teams have been kind of playing a certain way on defense all season long. You know, we're kind of trying a little something new for us. And obviously that, that will take a bit of time to, to fully, truly adjust and get trust in our teammates there. How many scrimmages do you typically play a week toxic and how do they help you get a feel for what other teams are doing and what helps your team be most effective? Uh, yeah, I mean, typically we scrimmage every day, like two scrimmages a day at least, um, besides maybe like Sundays. So we're practicing pretty much all throughout the week. Um, I'm really, most of it is, we're just like Jonah said, like we, we, we know like what we want to run. We know the lineup that we're best at. Like, and I think for now it's just ironing things out. Like, you know, when we, we talk about all the time, like there's scrimmages we have and, you know, we look like we're one of the best teams in the league, but like sometimes it's not, it's not transitioning over to the game. So like, like Jonah said, a lot of it is just ironing and ironing out the, the, you know, the play style that we're going with. We've been running a more of a, I guess a gimmick scheme type defense recently in scrimmages. So, and we've looked really well with it in, in, in scrimmages. And I think now it's just about getting everything down, everyone getting confident in what their their role is in that defense and and building on that. Um, you're not going to see us like do anything drastic or make any you know crazy changes, especially this deep into the season, two games left in the ticket. I think now, like like we said, it's just about getting the best at what we're doing and and minimizing the mistakes, and then you know you'll see kind of like the full Magic Gaming team. We've talked a little bit about this before on past podcasts, but. Do you think Jonah, the league should permanently make each matchup in the regular season and perhaps the tournaments as well, a series like a best of three, like they're doing now, rather than just one game. I know there could be some logistical challenges with that. When you guys go up to the studio in New York, I don't know how you'd be able to have that many games in one night, but I'm sure it's feasible in some capacity. Do you think that would make sense to continue having each matchup a series for future seasons? It seems to me that it really opens up the door to a lot of unique strategies and a lot of game-to-game modifications, which I think personally is, is interesting, and I think it opens the eyes of the viewer as well. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think we'd be we'd be for that, uh, especially in, in playoffs and tournaments. Obviously, now playoffs is that way. In season one, there were some best of ones, and it didn't go the way the league wanted. And so I think that they, they made that change in that way. But, um, you know, I think tournaments for, for sure should be that way. And, um, you know, I, I, I totally wouldn't mind regular season games being that way either. I think we kind of like the one-off because – you know, if let's say, for example, we're a lesser team, you know, it's kind of like, you know, maybe the season we're having this year where we just aren't living up to our billing and, um, you know, we are what we are, but you know, we, we've had, we've been able to kind of upset a couple teams like the Kings and Warriors. And, um, you know, I think that we still would have, we'd have had probably a little more success uh, in those upsets if we were on stage in a best of one, um, because we can kind of come out with a, a really, really unique strategy, but, you know, typically two games in teams can kind of adapt and, and beat us up. Uh, you know, for example, I, I would give the, the 76ers game we played several weeks ago as the best example. The 76ers had something so new that we haven't seen in, you know, so long that they, they kind of shellacked us game one. And uh, we were able to come back and win game two and three pretty easily. But obviously, if we were in New York, that's a win for them and probably should have been in a lot of ways because they ran something new and we just weren't prepared for it. So now that we're about 80% or so through the season talks as a player what are the key differences between playing remotely versus being in a studio obviously this is the first year where you've had to be remote based on the situation going on but what are the challenges and what are maybe even the benefits to playing remotely versus being in a studio i know you guys all wanted to be in the studio whether it was in new york or full sail university or vegas or wherever some of these tournaments were going to be held but uh, just talk about the comparisons and contrast between the two circumstances, whether you're in studio versus we're playing remotely. Yeah. I mean, it's been an adjustment for everyone. Um, you know, obviously like with the studio, it's just a different environment. It's a, it's a different energy. It's a different feel. Um, you know, especially for like a lot of the rookie guys who haven't experienced the league yet. Like we've talked about it as a team, like some of the point guards you see right now doing really, really well in the, in the league. I think they would still do well, but I don't think they, you would see as much success early with them because of just the environment they'd be playing in. It's something that they're not used to. And, you know, that's something I know we miss. Um, at the same time, like playing remotely, like it, it, you're going through things that you just wouldn't go through on stage, you know? Like we, we've seen plenty of times this year with like connection issues or like, you know, West Coast host versus East Coast host, like a lot of those things, you know, you can't control. And it's, it's tough and it, it can be stressful or, you know, as a player, it's, it's on your mind. As much as you try to not have it on your mind in the game, it's, on, it's you know, it's, it's in your mind and it can affect your play a little bit. So that's one aspect about it. Um, but, I mean, it is what it is and every team's dealing with it. And, you know, I feel like we've, we've, done, we've done, you know, the best we can to deal with what we've been thrown. But, you know, the thing is, like, with the studio play, it's just, like I said, it's, it's just, it's a whole different environment. You know what I mean? Like it's a different feel on game day. It's like, even when you're waking up, you know, you're waking up, you're going to travel, you get, you get to New York, you're in the hotel. Everything about that day is just, it's just different, you know? Um, and we, and we miss that, but, you know, hopefully next season we'll be able to get back in the studio and, and get back to that, uh, you know, studio and, and, and get back to the old ways. So. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. Going around the league now, the turn has reached the quarterfinals. No major surprises as far as the eight teams left, but both of you can give your thoughts on that. Aside from the Raptors, considering they're obviously the favorites to win their second tournament of the year, uh, what team do you think has the next best chance of winning this tournament at this point? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I would say the Wizards. Uh, I think the Wizards, in my opinion, are the most frustrating team in the league to play against. Um, I mean, like Toronto's obviously incredible and and so talented, and and you obviously if they if they get threes up, you're done for. Um, but the Wizards, man, they they make an eight point lead feel like an eighty point lead. Um, they are really really hard to score on. They really are are effective at choking games out, and you know it's a little similar to what our identity is when we're at our best, um, and how they're able to kind of control the pace of the game with JBM slow slow mid range game, and you know we kind of have that with Reed and his post game and stuff like that at times. But uh, so I, I would say the Wizards are just too good with a lead. I don't really know what you can ban against them. I think that they have a lot of guys that can play a little little bit of anything. So um, yeah, that's where I would go. You share that same perspective, Tox? Yeah, I, I would say the Wizards as well. Um, I think another one would be the Jazz, but uh, I would I would definitely say the Wizards. I think defensively they're one of the best teams in the league. Um, I think their style of play would give the Raptors trouble if they're playing their best. Uh, they don't they don't turn the ball over a lot. JBM might not be like you know a shifty Kai or a Kenny with scoring, but he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, and that, that's what makes him, you know, really effective. He gets everyone involved. He's a great passer. And then you have a guy like Dave Fry, who's just super smart with the ball. It, you know, he's a playmaker on in his own when he has, you know, the ball at the center position. And like Joe said, they're just a really, really hard team to score on. They're smart. They, they run really good half-court offense. They don't turn it over. You don't really get much fast breaks on them. So they make it tough. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I would say the Wizards. I think they have a little bit of fire underneath them for this tournament as well, since they didn't do so well in the, in, in the tip-off. So, I would not be surprised if you see the Wizards make a, a deep, deep run. Which of the four quarterfinal matchups are you most looking forward to? I'd say mine is Warriors versus Kings. Curious to see how well Crush's mm-hmm. defense is against CB13. I thought Sacramento was one of the more impressive teams in the prior round and the way they looked against the Knicks. Uh, Crush was also big on the offensive end in that first game, and their dynamic frontcourt duo of Scarbs and, and that boy shots took control in the second game. Uh, the other three quarterfinal matchups are Raptors versus T-Wolves, Jazz versus Hornets, and Wizards versus Mavs. All great, great series, I would expect. But which of the ones uh, from that list are you most looking forward to watching? Yeah, I mean, my, my head goes to Warriors-Kings as well. I think there's a little bit of, of bad blood there a little bit. They're kind of the, the two best teams on the West Coast right now. And the Warriors actually beat the Kings early, early in the year, correct? I, I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. First um, week of the season, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think ever since then, the Kings have kind of wanted that game back. And I hear rumor that the Warriors have something pretty cool planned for tonight. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the Kings are kind of notorious for beating teams that, you know, when they're at home against East teams, they have like a 30 point point differential against East teams on their host, which is insane. But against West teams, they're, they're very, very beatable. So, um, I, I'm really curious to see what happens in that, but it's hard not to say Mavs, Mavs wizards too. I mean, obviously that's a big rivalry last year. The, the state, the game on stage was insane. Um, with how, you know, Day Fry's barking and Dimes is getting up out of the chair and the whole environment was just super intense and super exciting. So um, I, I'd say that's obviously one that's going to carry a little more meaning for Day Fry and, and the boys at WizDG than, than a normal game. Yeah, I would I, – I mean, the easy answer is the Warriors-Kings. Um, two really good teams. I think, like Jonas said, the first time they played was week one, I believe. And at the time, I think Kobe was on center and he was using an outside center. So, like – the Warriors haven't played the Kings to their full strength, I think, yet. And I think both teams are playing really well right now. You saw the Warriors sneak out of a really close series last night against uh, Beast 5, which was a great series. Um, so I, that's one gameplay-wise, like, I'm most interested in seeing. But obviously, like Jonah said, too, like, the Wizards and Mavs, like, there's just such bad blood there. And, like, 
Dave Fry and Dimes, like from season one, like it's it. You always want to see those two guys go at each other. You wish that one could be in studio because, like Jonah said last year, it was just like it was a crazy environment. I remember Dave Fry walking down and like yelling at Dimes, like and getting a technical, and so everyone was everyone had to be in the studio last year for that game. So I'll have my eyes tuned into that one as well. But I think the fan favorite is definitely going to be uh, Warriors Kings to kind of see who like who's the best of the of the West. Yeah, definitely a budding rivalry out there in Northern California. Uh, Jonah, which point guard slash center duo do you think runs the pick and roll the best right now in the league? And maybe that's putting you on the spot a little bit, but just kind of spanning the league and the landscape at this particular point. Is there a, a duo point guard center that you think runs it the best, most effective in that setup? Yeah, you know, this this may not be the uh, most most typical answer I, I would say the jazz I would say the way splash and Rhea kind of play together Rhea super you know when, when you got a guy like Rhea who's a super great offensive rebounder uh super aggressive towards the rim um and then you have a point guard you're pairing with them who wants to shoot threes I think splash averages something like eight three-point attempts a game or something like you know that that is the perfect guard for a guy like Rhea um so you know obviously they, they got him for a reason and I think they do an excellent job there and and if it's not them I would say the runner-up is probably CB13 and Slaughter um I think that that CB13 Kina uh, is better than any point guard in the league at utilizing his center strengths as opposed to you know most teams play around their point guard strengths I you know I think the Warriors specifically don't they play around Slaughter's ability uh, which is something unique considering he's kind of the new kid on the block over there and um, you know but Kena just does such a great job of getting in the mid-range throwing up a ton of free rebounds for Slaughter Slaughter a lot of times is their is their most impactful performer because of the way CB13 is able to set him up offensively same perspective on that one Toxic or do you have a different opinion I don't know if I would agree with the Kena slaughter. Um, I think Jonah really likes Kena, so he, th- he throws that in there. But <laughs> yeah. I think I, Jonah makes a good point, though. Like, I think you could put almost any center with Kena, and he'll make it work because he's just that smart of a player in pick and roll, yeah. and he's that good with it. Right. But to say, like, point guard and center duo, like, I, I just think you can't, you can't not say Kenny and Sick. Um, I think they've just been playing so well this season. I think, uh, you know, Kenny's just a super smart player. Jerry, Jerry Sick is a super smart player with the ball. So I think they naturally just have a, very, a, a good connection there. Um, and then I'll agree with Jonah with Rhea and Splash. I think Rhea and Splash are probably one or, you know, 1A, 1B when it comes to pick and roll. Um, and it, it goes back to what Jonah said. Like, it, it helps when you have a center like Rhea, who is just probably one of the smartest guys at the position, in, you know, in the league. Uh, he's super aggressive. He grabs boards. He makes he makes Splash's job easier because he he knows that Splash wants to three hunt, and that makes Rhea's job easier. So they kind of just they mesh well in in that scenario. So I would definitely go with you know Kenny or Sick or Splash or Rhea. What about the best three point shooter in the league? And I know many throughout the season have talked about how it's more difficult this year to make three pointers based on the way the league was built. Uh, is there somebody who do you, who you think, at least with this particular build, and again, it being quite challenging to knock down threes, kind of rises above the rest when it comes to knocking down their, their long-range shots? Well, the, the numbers tell the story there. and I mean, yeah. it's Kenny got work. He, he, he is by far the most efficient player in the league. Um, so that's, that's where I'd go. If I had to say, like, a, a guy who's known for his shooting ability, though, I would probably say, like, the best sharps in the league this year. I would say A-Rooks, maybe yeah. from, from Bucks or uh, original Malik from uh, Knicks Gaming. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, 
I think Kenny's just having one of those seasons where it's like you can't leave him out of these conversations. So um, I remember like when we played the Raptors, like the guy just doesn't miss. Like when he's open, he it's a green like 95% of the time. So like yeah, it was unreal. I mean, when you guys played them, I, it stood out. No question. Yeah. Was, like when they're open, they're making my it. mind. So I would go with like Kenny's the easy answer, but I mean, everyone on the Raptors really doesn't miss. So like that whole team is good shooters, but I agree with Jonah, like, with um you know a rooks is a knockdown guy malik has been playing really well he's been shooting really good um b smooth hasn't had as good of a season but I, that's a guy that is just always in my top two to three when it comes to you know just being a really good shooter um so besides like you know the raptors and kenny i would go with a rooks or like b smooth malik how much more difficult is it to knock down threes with this build i know it's been talked about heavily throughout the league all year and uh, the announcers have also addressed it. But is it significantly more challenging than the past two years, Toxic? Or has that been exaggerated a little bit? I mean, I'll let, I guess I'll ask Jonah, too. Like, I think it's easier. Like, Jonah would oh, say wow, really? okay. Jonah would say it's, it's easier. I mean, I'm shooting better than last year. So. That's, that's why I kind of asked you, because you're obviously shooting a pretty good percentage. So I was curious if yeah. you kind of mastered it while others maybe right. haven't. But, yeah, it's been talked about. I know, I know Scott and Dirk on the broadcast have mentioned it. But, you know, I'm not the one playing, so I'm not quite right. familiar with what the well, and outs is. But. That's what's been addressed. But, yeah, if you're telling me it might be easier, maybe others would disagree with that. Like, for me, for me, being a corner shooter, like, I find it easier. Like, I, I think it's easier this year. But, I mean, I think you can make an argument for, like, maybe point guards that it can be a little harder because you do see a lot more, like, full bar animations this year where, like, it's, it's you're basically releasing it perfect and it's still not going in. Um, but, I mean, for me, I would say it's easier. But I guess I, I'll pass it to Jonah and let him kind of answer that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the new archetype system, Josh, for for two K twenty made it so essentially you weren't you weren't funneled into two areas anymore. You can kind of be a little more diverse, and so what that's done is instead of you know last year, for example, Toxic was on a pure lockdown every single game. Now he's on a two way sharpshooter, so essentially his guy can shoot a lot better than than he could last year. So that's why you know Toxic's percentage and locks overall this year their percentages are up. However, the point guard and, and most pure sharps are actually their percentages are down because. Um, like talk said, you know, it's kind of, you know, I could go into the in-depth. I'll try to a little bit. Like there's a hang in the game where essentially because in the league build, there is no hot zone hunter, you know, um, some of these shots that normally green in retail when you get a perfect release aren't greening in the 2k league because that hot zone hunter has been taken away. They try to make the game a little more challenging, for example. Um, and that's how they do it. And because of that, sometimes you will get a perfect release and it just won't go green and you will just miss it. Um, and, you know, essentially, if you had that Hot Zone Hunter badge, it would be green. But because you don't, it isn't. And therefore, the percentages naturally are just a little lower because teams are seeing more full bars. Um, yeah. Interesting stuff. Well, that is about all the time we have for this edition. Really appreciate the insight. And that was some great stuff there toward the end about the three-point shooting and the best pick-and-roll point guard center duo in the league. I, I think that's stuff that, you know, obviously uh, creates a lot of good – feedback and debate so hopefully we'll continue to have those conversations on this podcast and just throughout the entire league uh, anyways as I mentioned before Magic Gaming will have a bye this week so uh, stay tuned for their upcoming matchup with Pacers Gaming which is currently scheduled for August 4th starting at 7 p.m. I presume as well you guys will uh, play T-Wolves Gaming still I know that game was postponed a couple weeks ago but they're back in action so I presume that they'll reschedule that at some point perhaps the same week as the Pacers matchup we'll find out uh, but yeah stay tuned to 
all the coverage you can find on the uh, Magic Gaming's website, all the social media channels, of course, the game's being aired on Twitch and YouTube. So uh, once again, thank you so much, and we'll catch you later.